again tonight, and I, I knew it. Last week, I only preached about half of my message, so I've only got half a message to preach tonight. So uh, last week, we sang a lot, and then I got to preaching at 6.30, and I'm like, I'm not going to have enough time for this thing. And I'm looking, and I have my watch, and it's 6.15 right now, and I think I got too much time, and that doesn't happen too often. So I'm going to do my best to fill in all the time. I think I can do it. No. We'll see what happens. Maybe at the end we'll have to sing a couple of songs because we can't dismiss till 7. We've got to wait for the kids because the kids, we've got to be done when they're done. So you should, have, you should have kept your notes from last week maybe. And if you, it's the same sermon, just the at last half of it from last Sunday night. If, I also put out some other handouts. I will run through a review quickly because let's be honest, how many of you really remember what was said a week ago? Maybe you remember one line, maybe. Maybe not that. Last week you were at work during church, Alfredo. And so you, did you even get to hear your song you picked? Was the, you got to hear it? Kind of, kind of. You can thank Ryan for that one, so that's all, that's all him there. And then instead of thanking Ryan, you can really thank Joe for just not doing his job. So it's not even Ryan's fault, so let's blame Joe back there. And so, yes. Did I give you homework last week? What, what homework was it? The, the Paul's epistles, that's Wednesday night, so save that for Wednesday night. I was going to say, I don't think I gave homework on Sunday night, but it's pretty bad when the pastor can't even remember what he did last Sunday night, so how, am I, how can I expect you to remember anything if I don't remember anything? I know we're finishing James tonight. That's the plan anyways. James 5, we're going to read verse number 13 through the end of the chapter, and it says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. How many of you remember my anointing with oil story from last week? See, there are some things people remember. And so, um, and the verse 15 says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. They may be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Um, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sin. Father, I pray you bless the time that we have tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I pray that you just help us tonight as we look at these verses tonight, as we study them and go through these things. I pray that you'd help us, and especially as we continue looking at prayer as we started last week here as we finish up the chapter. I pray that you just help us and work in our hearts and in our lives. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A couple weeks ago we started chapter number five. And basically, you see James coming to the conclusion of all the things that he said. And verse number seven, he tells us to be patient and uh, to wait on God as the farmer would do for his crops, to be, treat one another well. And he talks about taking the example of the prophets and following the, how they persevered through, and then how Job kept worshiping God. And then he closes the chapter, Practical Christian Living, about the importance of prayer. And prayer is so important in the life of the believer. 
And yet I believe that prayer is one of the areas we really lack in. You know, maybe we could say tonight, you know, how many of you, we'll see, we'll see if there's someone, you can raise your hand, who would say your prayer life is great and it's right where you'd love for it to be? Would you raise your hand? I don't think any of us would say that. Our prayer lives always have room to get better. And we could even say <laughs> some weeks our prayer lives have a lot of room to get a lot better. And we look at these verses here tonight, and I'm going to go through a review and give you the points that I gave last week, and then we'll get to our new stuff tonight. But we see, first of all here, as we finish up on being spiritually fit, number one, we see the challenge to pray. The challenge to pray. It says, any among you afflicted, let him pray. Any merry, let him sing psalms. Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins... They shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer is important. And we see as we close out the book of James and being spiritually fit, really being spiritually fit comes down to just a couple of things. I talked about last week. You, if you want to be physically fit, there are certain things. I would say diet and exercise are two important things for being physically fit. For being spiritually fit, there are two things as well, the Bible and prayer, and they go hand in hand. If you don't have the Bible in your life, spiritually, you will not be spiritually fit. If prayer is not included with that Bible, you will not be spiritually what you need to be. And so as we close out our series here about being spiritually fit, we look at this passage and we see there's a challenge to pray. What are some things to pray for as we go through here? In letter A, there's the subjects for prayer. We see the first one is affliction. Affliction means to endure hardship. And those who are walking through the valleys or the trials of life are to pray. The Bible tells us Ephesians or Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so, what are some things to pray for when we're afflicted and we're going through a hard time? That's a good time to pray. Letter B or number two, whatever it is in your notes there, when there's sickness. When we're sick or when others are sick, we are to call out their names in prayer. We see there, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Verse 16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. We see that right there. And we can go to God in prayer on behalf of those who are sick, and we should. We see we should go to what are some subjects, affliction, sickness. Verse there talks about the third thing is pray for the brother, and the Bible talks about there, pray one for another. As Christians, you should be praying for your fellow church members, your fellow church family. You should be praying for your family. You should be praying for those around you. We're going to be in prayer for one another in God's family, and we should be. Let me just ask you, when's the last time you spent time in prayer for someone in church? You know, we've changed that prayer thing around to, the, to that app, and I feel like that prayer chain is go, beeping all the time now. But let's be honest, those watching online, those who are here, how many of you actually pray for the prayer requests that come in? Let me teach you something that someone taught me a while back that really helped me, okay? This was a good thing for me. All the time as a pastor, people are always telling me, pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. Pray for this, pray for my dog, pray for my cat, pray for 
all of my Uncle George, pray for, pray for all these things. And I would find myself, I'd say, okay, I'll do it. And then they would text me later and be like, Pastor, did you pray? Not yet. I had to be honest about it. And so I learned something. So I do one of two things now. If someone asks me to pray for them, I'll either pray with them on the spot, like Dolly today. She wanted me to pray over a situation that she needed prayer for. In her car, I said, let's just pray right now. Because I knew if I prayed right then, for sure I would pray. The other thing is if they're busy and it's in passing or they text me, as soon as the text message comes, I stop what I'm doing and I pray right then. So that way I prayed. I'll go back and I try to, so let's say on a day that prayer train gets three prayer requests. Let's say that happens. So when they come in and they beep, I look at them and I pray right then. No matter what, I pray for those right away so I don't forget. And then at the end of the day, I go back and I pray over any of those ones that are there. And so it's just a good, good little helpful hint when those, and because all of us have good intentions. I think all of us do. But good intentions alone are not enough. I think there was a song that was sung about that. But that's, good intentions don't get us where we need to be. We need to be praying for one another. And so when those prayer requests come, pray right then. And be in prayer for one another. Every day I, go, I pray for everyone in our church. Even those who haven't been in seven or eight months now, I still pray for them. And I don't know, they might not like me anymore. I had someone the other day, they, they called me. I'm like, hey, stranger, haven't seen you in forever. Well, you don't take COVID seriously. So I said, I don't take it seriously. How do I not take it seriously? You're all hugging and doing all these things. I haven't hugged one person in seven months in church. I hugged my wife. We live together. And if we're going to get sick, we're going to get sick together. That's just how it's going to be. I don't go around hugging anybody at church. I know there are a few people that do, but that's, it's called individual, you can do what you want. And if you get sick, don't blame me, you know. If Russ wants to go around on oxygen and everything else and pass out candy and be right up close to everyone, don't blame me if you get sick. That's all on you. That's no one else's fault but your own. But pray for one another. Prayer is so important. Subjects for prayer, affliction, sickness, pray for the brethren. And we mentioned number four, pray for joy. And that comes as we thank God in prayer. And it's so important. And it's implied that when, and as we see this here, is anything among you afflicted, let him pray. And then if you're married, let him sing songs. And we see all these different things. So we see the subjects for prayer. We also see the strength of prayer. You look at verse 15, and this is just review, so I'm just hitting little things. So you want the whole enchilada, that part of the enchilada? Go back to last week's message and listen to it online, and that will work for you. But we see the strength of prayer, and in verse 15 it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, then shall be, they shall be forgiven him. What's the strength of prayer? We see that faith is the strength of prayer. Faith. And faith is what gives prayer strength and effectiveness. God answers prayer, and he does so in response to the faith of his people. When you pray, do you really believe that God's going to do something? If we did, we would pray more. But we pray as our last resort for everything. Why? Do we really believe that prayer works? Oh, well, God hasn't answered my prayer yet. Do you realize he doesn't ever answer things when we want him to? I've had lots of things I want an answer to right now, and he doesn't give me those answers. But we need faith. Faith is important. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, the Bible says. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is key. 
And James makes it clear that faith is an essential ingredient to effective prayer. Go back to chapter 1 for a minute, or maybe you got it on the screen. Do you have James 1 on the screen? I don't remember if I gave that or not, if I was going to have people just... Yeah, there it is. So James 1. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Look at the next verse, verse 6. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. But you see the importance of faith. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. I gave you the story last week of Hudson Taylor went to China, and he made the voyage on a ship, and they were nearing a channel, and as we were going through this channel, um, someone's in the foyer, but it must not be. That's what happens, that little window. I can't see completely who it is, or if it's one of the kids. You never know with. Oh, it's Joanne. She's just causing trouble back there. That's okay. You, you can leave her be. She's fine. I just want to make sure no one's like spying in on us, you know. What are they doing spying in on us? We are going to have to go underground then. But, um, but he was, the boat was nearing the channel near um, some peninsula, and the missionary got a knock on the door, and he opened it, and the captain of the ship stood there and said, Mr. Taylor, we have no wind. We're drifting toward an island where the people are heathen, and I fear that they're cannibals. So what can I do, asked um, Hudson Taylor. And the captain said, I understand that you believe in God. I want you to pray for wind. And Taylor said, all right, captain, I will, but you must set the sail. The captain said, but that's ridiculous. There's not even the slightest breeze. Besides, the sailors will think I'm crazy. Nevertheless, the captain agreed. Forty-five minutes later, he returned, found the missionary still on his knees, told me, you can stop praying now. We've got more wind than what we know to do with. And that's faith. Faith, that was Noah building a boat when there'd never been rain before. Faith. It was Elijah's, we'll look at the end of the message tonight, praying that God would stop the rain. And then that kind of ruined his day because he didn't have any more water. And then he had to move to someplace else. But faith, believing that God can answer. And he can. And sometimes we look and we think, well, God hasn't answered my prayers in all this time. Just keep praying. Don't give up. Keep praying. Prayer works. We see the subjects for prayer. We see the strength of prayer is faith. We also let letter C see the source of prayer. The source of prayer. And we find it in the Word of God. You know, as we go through the Bible, and there are so many times, if you have a need, what does the Bible tell us? That my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. If you have a fear, God can take that fear and replace it. Be anxious, be um, careful for nothing. And so many different verses that we could look at. If you have a burden, the Bible tells us to cast all our care upon him because he careth for you. And if there's sin in your life, you confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that as we pray, we not only pray in faith, but we pray based our prayers on the revealed will of God found in his word. His word is so important. We saw the challenge to pray, and I think that's where I ended last week. We only got through point number one, so we didn't get very far. Number two, and we'll get into new stuff, and we're at 6.30. We might be okay. So here we go, number two. You're like, I would have been okay getting done early. I could just talk to someone during that time. Why? All week long, you can do so many things. We've got to get as much Bible in you as I can. And uh, you're heathen enough. More Bible is good. And uh, I'm heathen enough. Number two, we see the character of prayer. The character of prayer. 
We look at verse number 16, and after it says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another, they may be healed. Look at the rest of the verse. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Letter A, the first thing that we see under point number two, the character of prayer, we see the type of prayers to pray. James says that our prayer should be the effectual, fervent. You put those words in that order, and in the Greek, what they mean to display one's activity, to put forth power. This is simply what it means. It means that we are to pray in faith and then put legs on our prayers for God's glory. We have a tendency to ask God, and then we sit back and go ahead, answer it. Effectual, fervent means you get up and you get busy expecting God to, in faith to do what he says he's going to do. When you think about that word effectual, it has the idea of perseverance, continuing, not letting it stop. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. God's plan is that we ask him, thank him for the answer that is coming, and then get up and live as if he's already answered the prayer and wait for an answer. Don't just sit there and be like, all right, God, I'm not moving until you answer this prayer. No, have faith in God and keep going forward. When we think about this thing about um, the effectual fervent prayer, I, my mind goes to George Mueller. He, run, he ran orphanages and so many different things. And in Bristol, England, George Mueller operated an orphanage for 2,000 children. And one evening, he became aware that there was no breakfast for the next morning. Mueller came or called his workers together and explained the situation. And two or three prayed. Now that is sufficient, he said. Let us rise and praise God for, for prayers answered. That's all it took. The next morning... They couldn't push open the great front door of the orphanage. So they went out back, the back door and around the building to see what was keeping it shut. And stacked up against the door were boxes filled with food. And one of the workers later remarked, we know who sent the baskets, but we don't know who brought them. And I could tell you story after story where they had no bread. And then what was it? The bread truck broke down magically right out at the orphanage there. And George Mueller, you want to talk about a man of prayer? I would, I would, if, you, if you can find any books on him, I would read them. If God's people could get a hold of the power of prayer and just believing that God is able to do so much. You know, we look, and this last week, I heard, I've seen on Facebook and different places, so many Christians really struggling because of an election. You realize an election's not going to change the whole world. It's not. Prayer can. If you're struggling tonight, prayer works. It does. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, it availeth much. And as we think about these things, we got to just keep praying and keep believing in God and keep moving forward. We see letter A, the type of prayer to pray. Letter B, we see the type of person who prays. James calls the effectual, fervent prayer. Now, this is interesting. Of a righteous man availeth much. Well, what does he mean by a righteous man? This refers to the standard of life that reflects the commitment to God and his word and his will. We can see over and over again that there are ways to hinder prayer in the Bible. Isn't that true? 
Bible talks about in 1 Peter how if you don't have the right relationship, if you don't dwell with your wife, according, that your, your prayers could be hindered. We see that. The Bible talks about how if you're in, and I, why am I blanking on the exact verse? I had a verse in my mind, then it just went out the other side. So I don't know what I was going to say there. But um, do, you have any, do you have any verses underneath that point there, Joe? You have nothing? This is point C? Of course, I knew that's how it was going to be. But you think about it. When we're living in sin, why is God going to answer our prayers? The, and what you've got to understand is the Bible says here, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If we determine to be effective in prayer, then we must get our lives in line with God's will going forward. Because that's so important. You've got to understand, and I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, if we are praying in the flesh... We're praying for what we want, when we want it, our way, all the time. If we're praying, being spirit-filled, we're wanting his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And the Bible talks about in the book of Psalms, how it says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Think, sweet, I just delight in God, and he'll give me anything I want. That's not what the verse is saying. Because when you delight in the things of God and living a righteous life, you're going to want what he wants. That's what it's saying. And so the type of person who prays, it should be a righteous man as we see here. We got to determine that and determine to do our best to live for the Lord and to have his prayer should not be a selfish thing. And selfish, I don't mean you pray for yourself because we see in the Bible, you should pray for yourself. I believe that that is good. That's Bible. That's not selfish prayer. But if you're praying for your selfish desires, God, I want a million bucks. Give me a million bucks. No, you need to be praying for God's will to be done. Pray for yourself. It's not selfish to pray for yourself. But make sure you're wanting what God wants and not what you want. And that comes because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If we're being self-filled and we're praying in the flesh, not going to profit much. We see the type of person who prays letter C. We see the type of power in prayer. James tells us that the, tells us that the proper and God-honoring prayer, it availeth much. This simply means it puts forth much more than can be expected. When we pray in faith, it unlocks the great potential of God to work in our world. God honors the prayer of his people when his people's prayers honor him. John Newton had received from the Lord some almost unbelievable answers to his petitions, and so often engaged in large askings. In support of this practice, he would frequently tell the story of a man who asked Alexander the Great to give him a huge sum of money in exchange for his daughter's hand in marriage. The ruler consented and told him to request of his treasurer whatever he wanted. So he went and asked for an enormous amount. The keeper of the funds was startled and said he couldn't give him that much without a direct order. Going to Alexander, the treasurer argued that even a small fraction of the money requested would more than serve the purpose. No, replied Alexander the Great, let him have it all. I like that fellow. He does me honor. He treats me like a king and proves by what he asks that he believes me to be both rich and generous. And Newton concluded the story by saying, 
in the same way we should go to the throne of God's grace and present petitions that express honorable views of the love, riches, and bounty of our King. There was a missionary family in Africa years ago, and they had two small children. The second being born after they arrived on the mission field, the youngest was sickly and needed much care. They had been wrapped in blankets most of the time to ensure that it stayed warm enough. And the mother heard, and the mother was heard to say over and over, I wish I had a hot water bottle. Her thinking was that a hot water bottle, she could place it next to the child and provide it some heat. After a few weeks, a package arrived from England. And in that package were several items that had been sent to the family anonymously to help them in their new location. Among the items, there was a hot water bottle. The mother thanked God but couldn't recall having prayed for it. As the last of the items were taken out of the box, the oldest child came to her mother and said, Where's my new baby doll? Her mother responded, There isn't a doll in here. The little girl asked them to look again, and when they did, under all the packing material was a little new baby doll. The mother asked the girl how she knew there was a baby doll in there. And she said, well, when I asked God to send a hot water bottle for the baby, I asked him to send me a dolly. And God provided a little girl's prayer. We see that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We see tonight, number one, the challenge to pray. We see, number two, the character of prayer. And then number three, and is that lastly tonight? That is lastly. We see the confidence in prayer. The confidence in prayer. Look at verse 17 and 18. It says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Confidence in prayer. What are some things, as we think about the confidence in prayer, what are some things that might be a help to you tonight? The first thing is this. We have God's promises in prayer. All throughout the Bible, there are prayer promises that God gives to us. You say, well, like what? He promises to hear us. To hear us. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. Show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not, the Scriptures not only does he promise to hear us, but he promises to help us. He's there to help. We can look at so many verses. We'll go to Matthew chapter number 7, verse 7 and 8. What's up there? Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. You have Mark eleven twenty four. So if I were to go back to my last point to hear us, is Isaiah 65, 24 on there? No? Yeah? You were sleeping a little bit back there. I was trying to, trying to pick your brain from here, and there's not much to pick. So let's go back to that first point and look at this other verse real quick. So Mark 11, go to Isaiah 65, 24, as I was talking about how he hears us. And it, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, what does God say? I will hear. God hears. Not only does he hear, he helps us. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. 
The Bible tells us, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to, this is key, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. And you see, tonight as we talk about the confidence in prayer, God hears us and God helps us. And then we see God's performance in prayer. God's performance in prayer. And we see it talks about how Elijah prayed and how God stopped the rain. Three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and God let the rain return. And we have a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think tonight. And what James tells us about Elijah is that God moved in response to the prayer of faith that he had. You see, when Elijah prayed for the Lord to stop the rain, it wasn't, Lord, go ahead, stop the rain. I don't believe that. No, he believed it. He believed that if he prayed that God was going to do this, God needed to work in the children of Israel's life and move in their lives and things that were going on, and so he prayed. And God doesn't always answer our prayers in our timetable. God doesn't always answer our prayers to our liking, but he answers the prayers of his children, and don't ever forget that. I'm going to give you two examples tonight as we get ready to close. But several years after her conversion, a lady by the name of Mrs. Hanover had prayed earnestly for her husband's salvation. Then one day, her husband was killed in an automobile accident. She thought that God did not answer her prayers, so she became delusioned with, or disillusioned with God and stopped living for him. And five years later, she met a man by the name of Roger Sims, who told her an amazing story. The day that her husband was killed, he had picked Roger up, who was hitchhiking. And when Roger, who was a Christian, witnessed to Mrs. Hanover's husband, he pulled over off the side of the road, wept and prayed and received Christ as his Savior. She didn't have a clue, but her husband, before he died, got saved. She went on for five years getting away from God because she was upset that God didn't answer her prayer. But God did answer her prayer. There are so many times where you're praying for a relative to get saved. You're praying for all these different people. And you wonder, does it really work? Prayer works. Don't ever give up. Just pray. And the second example, there was a young man by the name of Josh McDowell. And he was attending seminary in California. His father went home to be with the Lord, and his mother had died years earlier. But Josh was not sure of his mother's salvation. He became depressed, thinking that she might be lost. Was she a Christian or not? The thought obsessed him. Lord, he prayed, somehow give me the answer so I can get back to normal. I've just got to know. And it seemed like an impossible request. Two days later, Josh drove to the ocean. He walked to the end of the pier to be alone. And there sat an old woman in a lawn chair fishing. Where's your original home? Where's your home originally, she asked. And he said, Michigan, Union City, Michigan. Josh replied, 
Nobody's heard of it. I tell you, it's a suburb of Battle Creek. And the woman said, I had a cousin who lived there. He's like, do you know the McDowell family? And Josh is like, I'm Josh McDowell. And she's like, I can't believe it, said the woman. I'm a cousin to your mother. Do you remember anything at all about your mother's spiritual life? Asked Josh, do you remember anything about my mom's spiritual life? And she said, sure, your mom and I were just girls, teenagers. We went to a tent revival meeting that came to town. And the fourth night, we both accepted Christ as our Savior. You might say, that could never happen. Those are two true stories. You might not get answers when you want, but prayer works. Prayer changes things. Don't ever give up. Just pray. And then we see, letter C, we see God's people in prayer. According to James, we see here that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. So what's the Bible saying? Elijah wasn't a perfect guy, just like we're not perfect. However, God used Elijah to do great things through the power of prayer and his faith that God could do great things. We see it over and over again. You could look in the Bible and see Abraham, a man of faith. You can see Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, a man of faith and prayer. Moses, Jonah for that matter. You find all these men who were failures and failed God in so many ways, but they all prayed. Prayer is so important. The Bible says here that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. Let me ask you tonight how your prayer life is. Do you pray? Do you spend time with God? Because prayer works. It does. It does. So well, I prayed for an election. Didn't go how I want. Were you praying for what you wanted or what God wants? There's a big difference in the two. Should have been praying for what God wants. Prayer works. May I encourage you this week to spend time in prayer with the Lord? You want to get spiritually fit? Get in the book. Get in the book and pray. Say, Pastor, you could have just told us that the first week and we could have skipped this 12-week series on being spiritually fit. It literally comes down to get in the Word of God and pray. How do you get physically fit? Diet and exercise. Diet and exercise. Spiritually fit, the Bible and prayer. And the Bible tells you how to live, what to do, and prayer is key. Let's pray this next, let's pray over the rest of this year and going into next year that our prayer lives would increase. I bet some of us, our prayer lives did increase back in uh, March, around March 15th. But how's your prayer life today? Has it slipped? Because for a few weeks there in March, we had nothing else going on. But you had time to pray. What have we done since March? <laughs> We're still locked down, but what have we done since March? Uh, life has gotten a little busier. Do you still pray? Prayer works. You have a family member that's hurting. Pray for them. 
You have children that you're raising, pray over those kids. You have children you teach in school each day, pray for those kids. Pray for them. Prayer works. Prayer is so important. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Father, we thank you.